Welcome to a nonfiction story cast about people in Seattle who built churches and how they did it. I'm Cindy Safranoff. I'm the author, and this is Dedication, building the Seattle branches of Mary Baker Eddy's church, a centennial story. Part 2, Episode 3, Joint Dedication Committee. 1929. I once thought that in unity was human strength, but have grown to know that human strength is weakness, that unity is divine might, giving to human power peace. Mary Baker Eddy. On Thursday, October 24, 1929, The New York Financial News made the front page of the Seattle Times with an extra bold, attention-getting headline placed above the masthead. The front page article itself was small, but conveyed great concern about the day's events, Wall Street's wildest break. The most terrifying panic of selling since the war scare of 1914 dealt a crushing blow to the leading stock markets throughout the country today. All records for wild and frenzied trading were broken. Closing prices of most of the leading stocks disclosed severe declines. All but the most optimistic commentators were reporting the financial news in sober even a somber tone. The finance editor spoke of waves of hysteria sweeping the stock market, epical declines that have opened new and unplumbed abysses of low price levels, the shock of the immediate disappearance of billions of dollars of stock value, and investor shipwrecks caused by an unprecedented financial storm. It was too early to say what the impact would be on the average citizen. While some financial experts reminded readers that markets do rebound, the Seattle Times financial editor compared the event to a massive natural disaster, like an earthquake or a hurricane that would take time and effort for recovery. October 24th was dubbed Black Thursday, the greatest drop in history. Most Americans probably did not yet fully realize that this was the start of an era of economic depression so long and difficult that it would become known as the Great Depression. But anyone paying attention would have been concerned about the sudden swirl of anxiety over the financial markets during that cyclonic week. Meanwhile, Walter G. Stanley and the board of directors of Ninth Church of Christ Scientist Seattle were dealing with a swirl of anxiety for a different reason. The recent downturn in the financial markets provided a compelling reason for the churches to join together in mutual support, but as serendipitous as the timing was for their proposal for joint dedication, their cooperative plan was not without its critics. Some concern may have arisen over whether such a coordinated effort was appropriate, given that each branch church is supposed to be independent and self-governed. 
There was no mention of cooperative financing or joint dedication committees for branch churches in the church manual, and so there may have been some question about the legitimacy of Stanley's proposal. Furthermore, it came under criticism out of concern that it was not in accordance with the counsel and wishes of the board of directors of the Mother Church. The issue was concerning enough that Stanley took the unusual step of sending a telegram to church officials in Boston to ask about the upcoming meeting of local boards that was called for the purpose of arousing united interest in the dedication of our church edifices this coming year. We would appreciate a message from you, he concluded the letter. The next day, they received a reply, just in time for it to be read at the conference scheduled for Thursday, November 7th at Third Church. The evening began with a talk by Byron Haviland, Committee on Publication for Washington State, the local employee of the Mother Church for Public Relations and Legislative Lobbying, to all church members in the area. Coincidentally, Mr. Haviland had been a member of the building committee at Third Church, which had conceived and promoted the unsuccessful 1920 proposal for joint building and dedication. After Haviland's presentation concluded, another meeting convened of those currently serving on branch church boards. Ninth Church presided over the conference that they had called. Stanley served as meeting clerk. Norval E. Malahan as chairman. Mr. Malahan was a charter member of Ninth Church. He was also one of the first mayors of the city of Bothell was currently school principal in Lake Forest Park, and at times worked as a referee at sports games. Malahan was certainly capable of moderating the liveliest of church meetings, even one with some element of controversy. Stanley began the meeting by reading aloud the Ninth Church resolutions from October 21, 1929, proposing cooperative effort to help in paying off the building debts of the various churches and societies of Christ Zionist Seattle so that as many as possible may be freed from debt and the buildings dedicated within the next year, starting with Third Church. It was important to show that the resolution was consistent with precedent in Christian science history and the leadership of Mary Baker Eddy, whose writings all Christian scientists constantly looked to for guidance. As Stanley would later explain in a report about the meeting, Reverend Eddy put a high priority on church dedication. One hundred pages of her book, The First Church of Christ Scientist and Miscellany, were devoted to reprints of newspaper articles with comments on how wonderful it was that the mother church in Boston was free of debt when finished, at that time an almost unheard of thing. Stanley used a quote from the book from a reporter from the Boston Daily Advertiser that nothing is more of a drag on a church than a heavy debt, the interest on which calls for practically all the resources of the institution. He pointed out that there was joint dedication for branch churches in Mrs. Eddy's day in Chicago, where Stanley was from. He wrote, Chicago was spoken of by our leader as the wonder of the Western Hemisphere 
and was a great inspiration to the field because of the unity of purpose shown by helping one another build and dedicate their church edifices. Next, Stanley read aloud the telegram that Ninth Church sent to the board of directors of the Mother Church. Then he read the brief reply from Boston. The plan of uniting your resources in the interest of dedication of church edifices in Seattle will cement the bonds of fellowship and brotherly love among church members and promote permanent growth. In this work of helping one another, there will be encountered occasions for sacrifice and self-denial, but the blessings will be in proportion to the high motives and unity expressed in the act of giving to a very worthy undertaking. We have every confidence in your ability to carry out what your telegram states is about to be inaugurated and know that the desired result will follow from your implicit reliance upon God's omnipotence, omniscience, and omnipresence. The message from Boston may not have completely eliminated any concern about the Ninth Church proposal, but it quieted criticism, at least for a while. It was then moved that a committee be formed for the promotion of the dedication of Christian science edifices in Seattle, and that each board select one member for that committee. The boards were so of one mind that they all voted to support the plan. After some expressions of gratitude, they concluded the meeting by saying the daily prayer from the church manual aloud together. Thy kingdom come. Let the reign of divine truth, life, and love be established in me and rule out of me all sin. And may thy word enrich the affections of all mankind, and govern them. The first official meeting of the new committee, commonly referred to as the Joint Dedication Committee, was set for Friday, November 15th, 3.30 p.m. at the Empire Building. The meeting place was on the seventh floor, in room 762, one of the several connected offices that comprised the Christian Science Reading Room. Fourth Church granted use of its 1,200-seat auditorium for a mass meeting of area church members on Saturday evening, November 30th, to arouse united interest in the dedication of all Christian Science churches in Seattle. In the weeks leading up to the big event, Announcements of the mass meeting were made at all area church services. Meanwhile, anyone expecting the financial markets to immediately recover was disappointed on Wednesday, November 13th, when another day of extraordinarily active trading on the New York Stock Exchange resulted in new lows, a fresh downward route caused by wealthy individuals selling off huge blocks of stock to get a stronger cash position. The Federal Reserve Bank announced lower interest rates to stimulate the economy, which investors interpreted as foreshadowing a general reduction. It was an early sign that the whole banking system was having serious problems. 
For any church members still concerned about the propriety of joint dedication, or concerned that others might be concerned about it, proving that the idea belonged to no person or group, but was as ever-present as God himself, as Stanley put it, the November 23rd Christian Science Sentinel provided welcome news about a similar initiative on the other side of the country. The Sentinel published a letter from the Christian Science Board of Directors to the branch churches in Greater New York showing support for their joint dedication initiative. Boston officials mentioned past similar efforts in other regions. The article explained, In one western city during a period of years, the local churches united in contributing $179,895 to enable four churches in their city to lift the burden of their debts. In smaller places, it is no uncommon thing for churches thus to cooperate in what is really self-help, for it is to be remembered that in science there is no surer road to self-help than in helping our brother, as Love is reflected in love. Science and Health, page 17. Your example in mutual helpfulness will be far-reaching throughout the field, and we confidently expect it to animate others to follow your example where similar conditions exist. While the liquidation of local indebtedness through church cooperation is praiseworthy from every point of view, we see its greatest value in the establishment and maintenance of that unity and brotherly love among church members, which are so essential to permanent growth in Christian science. Unity in a local field stimulates unity throughout the entire movement. The unity which is not merely the absence of division, but the presence of that wisdom, economy, and brotherly love Manual, page 77, which ensures progress in spiritual understanding and in greater consecration to the sacred work of healing the sick and reforming the sinning. In a separate article, the Sentinel provided guidelines for joint dedication. They recommended there be no central fund. Instead, contributions should be made directly from one church to another. They also discouraged putting restrictions of any kind on contributions, allowing each self-governing church the freedom to choose how to apply the funds received. Stanley later recorded that much gratitude was expressed by those involved with joint dedication in Seattle, that the great metropolis on the Atlantic and ours on the West Coast were listening for and following the Christ. Even before the November 23rd Sentinel reached Seattle, the branch churches had already sent enough of their next Sunday collection to Third Church to completely eliminate its debt. Thanks for listening to Dedication by me, Cindy Safranoff. All events and characters in this story are as true and accurate as the available sources. All opinions are mine. To support and learn more about this groundbreaking research project and read my writing, visit cindysafranoff.com.